Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the first ever college service here this summer at Southwood. Thank you for honoring us with your presence. Uh, My name is Dylan. For those of you who don't know me, I have been at Anderson uh, the past year, and they fought me over here for the summer. And I couldn't be more thrilled for that uh, because as a student, this is where I spent most of my time. So this is a special place for me and uh, really great to be working alongside Dakota uh, this summer. Uh, So we will be the two main faces that you will primarily see, uh, along with my wife, Allie. She'll be here throughout the summer. Um, I was an awful husband and a moron, and I forgot to put a slide of us so that you could see her face, but she's up here in the front. (laughs) Thanks. Um, So um, Allie and I have been married a year and approximately 16 hours. Uh, Our anniversary was yesterday, so happy anniversary, darling. Um, so, yeah, thank you for that. And, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so you'll see Dakota, Allie, and I throughout this summer. We're really excited to get to deepen our relationships with those of you that we do know and create friendships with those of you that we don't know yet. So um, this summer, uh, as Southwood College, we are going to be studying the parables. And if you don't know what a parable is, those are the stories of Jesus, uh, stories Jesus shared during his life and ministry on earth. And uh, these stories that Jesus shared, they were fictional stories, and they, um, I always forget about the clicker. Okay, Um, these stories were stories that were in the context of the culture that Jesus was in during his life. And so these stories that he would share, the people who were hearing them could easily identify with the characters in the stories and be able to relate with um, one or multiple of those characters. And the purpose of these stories were to reveal truths about the kingdom of heaven, to reveal truths about who God is, and also reveal truths about who we are and our relationship with God. And these are really great stories to be able to share with those who don't believe Um, or who don't know Jesus, because they reveal truths about who he is and who we are. And so my hope is that as we study the parables this summer, that you would be able to gain some ammunition on stories you can share with others so that you can share what you believe with them. Um, So today we're going to be in Matthew 20. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles there or flip that open in your smartphones. Uh, The parable we are going to be studying is uh, called The Workers in the Vineyard. And this story is not a story of fairness, and it's a story of grace. And I don't know um, what your upbringing was like, if you had a childhood catchphrase, perhaps, but um, I grew up with two younger brothers, they're twins, and uh, one of them, his name is Barrett, he had a catchphrase uh, growing up of, it's not fair, and it had nothing to do with absolute fairness, it had everything to do with what he desired in that moment. So if he was told to go do a chore, he would just scream, it's not fair, and not want to do it. But um, it was purely because he just didn't want to do it. Um, But I do remember one time in my childhood that I adopted that catchphrase, um, and it was when I was in conflict with that uh, with Barrett, and I don't remember what the conflict was, but I chose to just 
not listen to him anymore and just walk away from the conflict. And uh, Barrett wasn't the best with communication. And so the wisest, most mature action he could think of to um, uh, react to me walking away from him was to pounce on me from behind and just start wailing on my shoulder blades as hard as he could. And uh, luckily my dad was nearby and separated us up and sent us to our individual rooms to have a little time out to think about all, all the terrible things we just did, um, which uh, clearly I did nothing wrong because I don't remember anything I did wrong. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember my dad walking into my room later to check on me, and I hear my brother Barrett downstairs playing, and I asked my dad, hey, why, why is Barrett downstairs playing and not in his room like I am? Uh, and my dad said, well, I talked with your brother. He apologized for what he did. He recognized it as wrong. I forgave him, and I released him to go downstairs to continue playing. And I, I, don't, I don't think I voiced this to my dad directly, but I was thinking in my head, that's not fair. That is absolutely not fair. I'm the victim here. My brother maliciously attacked me, and somehow I am locked away in my room but not just that, my brother, who at least had more wrongs than I did, is receiving less punishment than I am. That is totally not fair. And I think that's oftentimes how we can react to God when we think that we aren't getting what we deserve. We just scream out to him, God, life is not fair. I'm not getting what I deserve here. And you need to fix that because you're the sovereign Lord, you can fix this. And we expect him to do that. But Jesus, our king, is not a king of fairness. He's a king of grace. And my hope for you this morning is that you become convinced that what we need is not fairness, but what we need is grace. And that's what we should be longing for. So uh, read with me, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. Again, he went about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and he did likewise. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said, because no one hired us. And so the landowner said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed they would receive more. And likewise, they received also a denarius. And when the last men had, sorry, and when they had received it, they complained against the landowner saying, these last men have only worked one hour and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? 
So the last will be first and the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. So we see in this parable that this landowner, he practices this idea of grace rather than fairness. And we recognize that Jesus' attribute of being gracious is mirrored in this parable. And the first truth that is revealed to us about our King Jesus, the King of grace, is that he is the initiator. He is the initiator. The landowner is the person who goes to initiate with these day laborers to hire them. The day laborers have nothing to do to approach the landowner. And a little background on what a day laborer was, these groups of day laborers, they would come together at this gathering point and just hope to be hired by a landowner so that they could have a job for the day and get paid. And all the cards were in those people's hands, the people who were wealthy. And uh, uh, one denarius was kind of the standard pay that they would receive for a day's wage. And it was just enough money to put food on their table to feed their family that day. And that was it. There were, so this was a matter of life and death on whether they would get hired or not, whether their family would get food or whether their family would starve. And so this was a matter of life and death for them. They were the lowest on the economic ladder in this culture. They were even below slaves because at least as a slave, you were attached to someone wealthy and they would take care of you. Whereas the day laborer, it was day by day. I don't know if I'm going to get hired or not. I don't know if I'll have a job today. I'm, my family may starve if I don't get hired. And so just as these day laborers are fully dependent on a landowner to come and provide for them, we are just as dependent on God to give our life meaning because if a day laborer went without a job, their life is meaningless. Their, their purpose is void. And similarly, Jesus, he initiates with us to give our life meaning and our life purpose. The second truth is that the king of grace is all-inclusive. We see through verses three through seven that he is continuously going out to hire more laborers. He goes a total of five times and he even goes when there's only one hour left of the workday. The workday was a 12-hour period, and so when uh, it says he goes at the 11th hour, that's 11 hours into their 12-hour workday. He is consistently going out and initiating with these people. And I don't know if you, um, I, I don't know if you have accepted that um, or have gained a relationship with Christ, but know that it is, it's never too late. No, as long as the workday is still going, the, the landowner... For us, Jesus is always initiating with us. He's always initiating with us. It's never too late. And it, luckily for us, our 12-hour workday, that's just our time on earth. That is just our life. It's never too late to respond to the call that Jesus is offering. Speaking of uh, um, all-inclusives, oh, I forgot a verse. Um, God wants all of us. And we see that in verse uh, in chapter uh, two of First Timothy, verse four, that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants all of us. No one is left out on that invitation. Um, so now, uh, speaking of all inclusives, uh, Allie and I got the privilege of going. Uh, on a honeymoon immediately after we got married to an all-inclusive resort in Maya Riviera, Mexico. It was incredible. 
We had access to everything the resort had to offer, and we just felt like king and queen. We had the best food we'll probably ever have in our marriage, um, and we just got to enjoy the beach. It was just a marvelous vacation. It was so restful after the, the period of wedding planning. It was awesome. If you can ever have a little treat-yourself vacation, go to an all-inclusive place. It's, you won't regret it. Um, the only issue with one of these um, vacation spots is uh, it kind of costs a great deal to get in to gain that access to all the blessings of that resort. And um, Allie and I did not have enough money stored up to be able to pay that cost. But fortunate for us, um, my parents decided that their wedding gift to us would be to pay for um, our honeymoon trip and provide that uh, luxury of that uh, of that resort and my Riviera. And so uh, even though we couldn't afford the cost, my parents could. So they bought a vacation for two to this all-inclusive resort and they gifted it to us. And this is um, <clears throat> leading to the next point that our King of Grace is generous. So just as my parents gifted their vacation for two to us, we see that God, because he is uh, our King Jesus is a King of grace. He is gifting something to us and taking something from us in return as well. And so with my parents, they generously gifted this vacation for two that they purchased. So what, was, what would have been fair was my parents getting to go on that vacation that they bought. That is what was fair. That's what they deserved because they paid for it. But instead they gave it to Allie and I and Allie and I, what, did, what was fair for us was to have a little staycation and not go on this vacation to this luxurious resort. And so my parents, by gifting the vacation to us, they adopted and took away our staycation and had to stay at home for a week instead. Now, Jesus, because he is the king of grace, he doesn't allow us to gain what we deserve. And what do we deserve? We deserve death. We see in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that means that we have sin in our lives. And the consequence of sin is death, eternal separation from God. That's what we deserve. I don't know who you have been relating to up to this point in the story, whether it's the workers who are early and end up being bitter towards people who are receiving God's grace. But I, I, I believe that all of us should be relating to the workers who do gain more than what they deserved because that's, that, that's the reality of all who believe in Jesus. We are gaining more than what we deserve because one day when we die, we, we will be in perfect unity with God and being able to have full access to God's grace will be in the luxurious, all-inclusive resort of heaven. And that is what we have to look forward to. And that, because Jesus was perfect, he met that standard that God had set in order to gain that access to his grace. And he gifted that to us. And instead, he, and what was not fair to him, what was gracious to us, he took our death away. He experienced the death that death on the cross. That was our cross that we deserved, but he took it and he took it on himself. And that's the reality that that is not fair to Jesus to have to take our consequence from our, of our sin 
and to give the blessings of God to us. But praise God that we have a king of grace, right? That he chose to make that sacrifice so that we could gain the access to God's grace, so that we could experience his generosity. But how do we ensure that we don't miss out on God's grace? You see in verse, uh, verse 2 and verse 13 that uh, those early bird uh, laborers, they agree to a particular wage, which was one denarius. And um, that was kind of a standard uh, thing that happened in the morning when a landowner would come and hire day laborers. They would agree on a wage and they would make a contract of sorts. And the reason they would make a contract is because the day laborers didn't trust the landowner that they would uh, be good to their word and pay them what they deserved. And so they would make this legally binding agreement saying, hey, if I uphold my end of the deal and I work all day for you, then you are required to pay me the amount we agree upon. But the other workers, we see in verse uh, 4 and verse 7, that they only had the word of the landowner. The landowner says, whatever is right, I will give to you. And they just trusted him and went into the vineyard and worked. And they didn't just receive what they deserved. They received beyond that. They got to experience grace because they trusted the landowner. And similarly, if we trust in Jesus, we get to experience grace. We get to experience grace, which is more than what we deserve. So praise God that he is not of fairness, but of grace. I don't know if you know this, but grace is what separates Christianity from all other religions. Judaism is about obeying the law. If you obey the law, you will gain the blessings of God. But if you disobey the law, you're going to be cursed. Islam has the five pillars, which if you obey the five pillars, you will go to heaven. But if you disobey the five pillars, you will go to hell. Buddhism and Hinduism practice karma, which is all about fairness. If you do ABC to others, ABC will be done to you, and your current behavior affects your destination. But that is not true with us because what we believe is that we all deserve death, but Jesus traded that destination point with us. He swapped the vacation for the staycation. So all of us long for fairness, but we really should be longing for grace because that is what's so unique about our King. And that's what we should be in awe of is Jesus's grace. So how do we apply this to our lives? Well, first, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus, I would encourage you to make that step. And I don't want that to be just a blind leap for you. You should absolutely make that an educated decision because that's the most important decision you can ever make in your life here on earth. But my prayer for you is that you would be convinced that God unfairly punished Jesus on the cross for your sin so that you could receive the gracious, generous gift that is eternal life with God, perfect unity with him, when we finish our race here on earth. The second step, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, uh, Ephesians 5, 1 says that we should be imitators of God. And because grace is so unique to our belief about our King, 
we should be quick to mirror that quality because it's going to be the most unique quality that we can imitate. And so I'm going to kind of re-go re over um, the previous points, but from our perspective. So the first one was that the king of grace is our initiator, and that should encourage us to initiate with others. We should pursue others. We should be vulnerable and sharing what God is doing in our life, how either um, how great it is to follow him, how sweet it is to trust in Jesus and what he's teaching us, or just how difficult it is in the seasons that it is difficult. We should be bold and declaring our relationship with Jesus and be authentic with that. The second point was that our, the king of grace is all-inclusive. And uh, similarly, we shouldn't put any restrictions on who we are intentional with. And this summer is the perfect opportunity for you to put that into practice and develop that discipline. I mean, this is not very many college students comparatively to what we have during the spring and the fall. And, uh, and Dakota mentioned opportunities like um, all of our events this summer. Those are opportunities for you to gain community and get to invite your summer classmates or your coworkers in on what... Um, what we are doing, and for them to get to experience a community that practices this concept of grace that is unique to us. Um, but um, also, I want to encourage you because your situation is probably very similar to the person next to you, and all of your friends have abandoned you for the summer. And so, hopefully, that encourages you to seek community with us here this summer because we're going to have plenty of opportunities for it. This summer can be an opportunity to either thrive spiritually so that you enter the fall like totally refreshed or it can be a super dry season. So which, which will you pick? And a lot of that decision is based on how you pursue others and how all-inclusive you are. The third thing is to practice generosity. The, the best, um, because the king of grace was generous to us, we should extend that generosity to others. The biggest way we can do that is by offering the same gift that we've been given because it is so great. There's no better gift than to bless someone with the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus. But we can also be generous with our time, our energy, there's so many ways that you can practice generosity. My wife is the most generous, generous person that you'll ever meet. That's why, of the two of us, she will probably be your favorite this summer. Um, the, last, the last point for us, because the king of grace extends grace to those who trust him, we should continue to trust him. And we should be encouraging each other to continue to trust him, no matter our circumstances, no matter how uh, difficult our situation is, and how difficult it is to trust that God is still good and that he is worthy of following. We need to continue to trust in him so that we can experience his grace. Not just, and that doesn't mean that we'll for sure experience grace here on earth, but we have this grand hope that one day we will be in perfect unity with God and heaven and we will have all the access to his grace. And so, um, as Dakota mentioned earlier, we are going to break up into groups of 10 or so. It, it, the math doesn't have to be like super perfect, but just group up with those around you. And we're going to be um, 
we're going to go over a couple of discussion questions, um, and I will pray us out. Lord Jesus, we praise you for being a king of grace and not of fairness. I pray for your spirit to give us boldness as we pursue others, that we would be willing to open our lives up to anyone and everyone, just as you have modeled for us that we would selflessly practice extending grace to others because you first extended grace to us. And lastly, I pray that your Holy Spirit would encourage us to continue to trust you, the King of grace, even in the seasons of life, that we are blind to your blessings or it's difficult to trust that you are good. Please bless our first summer of Southwood College as we strive to build our summer community. I pray that you would bless the conversations that we're about to have. And I pray that Uh, we would develop deep relationships that positively affect our relationship with you this summer. I pray for a season of spiritual fulfillment rather than a, a season in the desert for all these students here. It's in your son's name I pray and by the power of your spirit. Amen. All right. You can break up in your groups.